0: I've had a really lovely chat with a dear old friend of mine, Pete Hull, MBE no less. Uh, he's a Paralympic gold medalist. Um, he's uh, He talked to us today about all the family support he's had through his life, his Paralympic journey to the top of his sport and how he sees his life now. So I really hope you enjoy it. Hi Pete. Hiya it's so good to have you here um I've wanted to chat to you for ages as you know and um and Pete can you just describe describe yourself and describe your current job role just give us a sense of who you are
1: okay um man in the mid-50s um I was born with no legs so when I say no legs I've, I've got hips but no but no but no joints or anything and my arms um, end of the elbow um, but that hasn't sort of stopped me from you know I had very supportive parents um, I certainly wouldn't have been you know where I am today wouldn't have had the success I've had the independence that I've had the self-confidence that I have if it wasn't for them you know some you know supporting you know supporting me and yeah as a result I you know have my own transport I have my own home I have a my own job. Um, I currently work for a uh, charity that encourages, um, you know, people to be active, not necessarily getting into sport, but just just to be active. Whether it's walking through the shops or whether it's just getting out and about and doing doing one's uh, one's own thing, because um, it's something that's very special to me because of my situation. I was encouraged to be active myself because I'm. Like they realised quite early on I'm going to be quite reliant on my on my upper body um, to do everything for eating, drinking, dressing, getting around. It's all going to go through my shoulders, my chest, um, and all of that. And it's that's how I got into into my swimming, and um, I mean, that's just good all-round sort of form of um, you know exercise. And I take that into my work, you know, because I'm I'm coming from a background where physical activity has worked. You know, for me, you know, and I, I think it kind of surprises some people when they, when I tell them that I am active. I think they kind of assume because of my situation that I'm, you know, that I'm not. So, I, as I said, I take that into my, into my work, um, and yeah, and, and more often than not, you know, it does encourage people to, you know, you know, to realise that okay, their situation may not be ideal, whether it's physical psychological or emotional, but they, they can do, can do something. So, uh, yeah, I, what can I say? I, I love my work.
0: Well, I, and I, and I met you through work. Um, we were both sports development officers. You were a disability, um, sports officer for Hampshire County Council. And, um, and I was, uh, uh, a sports development officer working for a local authority. And, um, and, and I just remember how awesome you were slash are you know as a human being living life to the full with your with your disability and just this personality just this massive personality because the one thing you haven't said when you've introduced yourself is that you are a paralympian so tell us about that uh peter hull mbe
1: (laughs) thank you very much yeah i often need to be sort of prompted on that, it was a while ago, but it's still very much part of my part of my history and of you know who I you know who I am. As I said, I got into my swimming sort of quite quite young. Found out I was quite good at it. Um, people said, "Well, why don't you do competition?" Um, long story short, I started to compete in regional and national events um, and started to win medals. And it was at the end of. You're really can show my age now at the end of 84 um, someone said to me "You know, have you ever thought about the Paralympics and back in the mid 80s no social media I think there's only about four or five channels on the telly yeah. and no one really knew too much about it but it didn't take a lot, me long to find out that it's like the sort of top end of disability sport if you like and because I'd achieved at, you know at the local and national level it seemed like a natural um, progression, and so yeah, I was kind of set on my my path to you know compete um, at the you know for my country at the at the Paralympics, but that's I guess where my real journey started because although I'd done a lot of swimming, it had been mainly just in swimming lessons and just a physiotherapy, and of course if I'm gonna represent my country at the biggest competition in the world, um, I needed to receive some form of coaching and it was a real struggle because like I highlighted before people see me and I, I think they automatically prejudge and pick pe- mm. coaches swimming clubs although they're very experienced in coaching swimmers I had no experience of coaching someone like myself and couldn't even see how I could swim I think let alone let alone um, compete at, at that kind of level and it was uh, more by luck and judgment that I got a job where there was a swimming pool on site and I was able to to use those use those facilities. Again, I had to train myself to start off with, but then the national coach would write me out training sessions. Again, no iPads or anything like that. It was all written down on bits of A5, bits of paper. So I put on Paul's side and worked my way, work my way through. And then that—that's um, that, all I had for a couple of years. And then a new Paul superintendent was appointed, and he—he's a coach, and he actually came to me, and he says, "I hear you're training for the Paralympics. Can I can I coach you?" A real no-brainer. I said, "Yeah, absolutely." And it didn't take him long to realise that it's just like coaching any one of his know his is his, his other swimmers just that i i swam in a slightly slightly different way he realized i needed a good start i needed stamina i needed speed i needed good stroke technique he just needed to adapt adapt his coaching and yeah and that got me to my first Paralympics in Seoul in 19 1988 uh came back with four fourths <laughs>
0: um
1: and not that I failed as such but that kind of motivated me to to work harder um because i've you know, i wanted to get that that elusive medal i mean not necessarily gold but i mean you know i, I very much as a belief if you're going to compete at the biggest event in the world then you've got to go for gold there's no other there's no other option really and yeah so i got to go to barcelona um and uh, yeah came back with three gold medals so did all the all the hard work paid off and yeah, it's all, yeah, all good. Very good memories. I
0: love, I love that. I've, I love hearing you talk about Barcelona and we're going to talk about that um, a little bit later. And, um, Hmm. uh, and I've actually been in the water with you and you are buoyant. You, you are buoyant, but you, I've tried to swim without my legs and Mm -hmm. then not to have, not to have your forearms and your hands, you know, to your yeah. arms stop at the elbow. I mean, it. You know, the the work and the power from your core and your shoulders for you to have achieved what you achieved is, you know, mm. it's fantastic. A little funny,
1: funny story in the build up to 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 Barcelona. We went to a summer training camp with the uh, with the Olympic team um, out in uh, Tallahassee in Florida, and while one day when we were um, there's a squad of about 10 of us I think and we got chatting to the then British pentathlete team and of course swimming is one of their disciplines and I don't know how the conversation whether they challenged us or we challenged them but it came about that we were going to have a, a relay race and but they had to take on our, our impairment so for example we had a visually impaired swimmer we had, you know, a swimmer who only had one arm, um, and of course, they, you know, that guy then couldn't use one arm. As you already highlighted, can you imagine the, the poor swimmer who had to swim against me? He couldn't, yes. he, he couldn't <laughs> use his legs, and he couldn't use his his arms below the elbow. <laughs> um, I don't think he got got past the flags by the time I'd i finished. But yeah, it was a real learning learning curve for them. But it was, a, yeah, it was, that was that was a fun that was a fun day that.
0: Oh, superb. Well, um, we're going to pick up about the Olympic, the Paralympics and, well, the, the whole mix of, of of able-bodied and non-able-bodied sport. Um, but before that, I just wanted to know about your family. I wanted to ask you about um, how was it for your parents? How was it for your siblings? Because your siblings are able-bodied, aren't they? Am yeah, I right? um,
1: yeah, no, I've got a younger brother and sister. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, they often joke, I'm, I'm their little big brother. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, they, they've got, um, you know, they're, they're born with full functioning functioning limbs. But I mean, to answer that question, I think um, I was watching, um, bear with me here. I was watching Call the Midwife a couple of years ago, and they did a whole storyline on thalidomide. And there was, um, they, they did it v- really very well. A, pa- a, a family um, gave birth to a child that had limb deficiency. Now, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm too young to be, mine, But it really highlighted the issues that parents go through because back in the, in the, the early 60s or the mid-60s when I was born, there were no scans. So there's no way of knowing that you're going to sort of come out you know, I was going to come out of the way, the way I did, and there's no way you know, you're going to know what the, how the parents are going to are going to react. But n- never once did it occur to my parents that I was anything other than their firstborn. I was their, you know, I was their child, and they weren't going to treat me any differently. And I remember when my in my teens, um, there was a, a story in in one of the one of the tabloids where um a baby that had been born actually with with less limbs than me so no arms and no legs at all and the the family had abandoned them completely and up until then i hadn't really given it much thought you know i I was you know part of a family that loved me and supported me and wasn't treated any differently that i was aware of and i actually said to my mum then did you ever consider giving me up and the look of shock and horror on her face you know of course not you know you are you are our child you are our firstborn and you know we were going to love you no no matter what and that still still gets me sometimes um but um, I'll always be grateful for their support and again because my brother and sister I guess grew up with me the way you know I am they, they treat me you no know, don't treat me any any differently you know I, I used to feel sorry to them for them actually because Whenever I used to go to a swimming gala over a competition, obviously my mum or my dad would drive us there, and and they would have to sit around for for a day in a sweaty old swimming pool, cheering their <laughs> you know cheering their big brother on. But I don't yeah, I don't remember them seeing me any any differently. In fact, it's a you know a bit of a they make a bit of a joke of it sometimes. For example, my my nieces and nephews talk about buying me. You know, gloves and you know socks for, you know, for Christmas and and you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. So it's not making fun, of course, but you know, just to just to, you know, making it sort of light of it. And yeah, I'm, I'm I'm Pete. I just happen to have, you know, a few limbs missing, and, and it's a sort of simple as.
0: Well, absolutely, and like when when we were, you know, back in our what would it have been late 20s and our 30s we were a gang and we were going off and you know mm-hmm. you would you would hop out of your car and sometimes you'd hop on a skateboard you know to move yourself around you know and then you'd say things like I remember I had wooden floors and you'd say oh I'll just come in and I'll put a cloth under me and I'll polish the floor up you know as That's you move yeah. you know and it's, Absolutely. it's yeah yeah,
1: yeah. While, I'm, just, while I'm down there
0: I'll do the skirting boards as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> And it was really lovely because, you know, we were able to see a different side of life for somebody with limb impairment. You know, and and you always showed us that life is life. You know, you just get on with it. And I and I remember going to your flat. We just talked about this earlier. Going to your flat, and you had a a, a, a standard level kitchen with kitchen counters and you have um if i can just describe for mm-hmm. the end of your arms you know your elbows slot into sort of crutches if you like you know short which you would you yeah. would put on and you would yeah, yeah. you would um you would propel yourself up like a high jumper you would like a mm-hmm. pole vaulter you would get yourself yeah. from the floor mm-hmm. just from the use of your shoulders you know it's incredible strength And then you'd be on the counter and you'd move around, you know, just in complete awe of how you, I mean, was that, was that from, from your parents and your family? Was that, that ability just to fit in with your surroundings?
1: Um, I think it stems from, you know, like, you know, when, when everyone's, you know, born, you know, you're a toddler and then, then you, you start, you know, to want to explore. I would have been exactly the same, but I had to find another, you know, way of doing that. Now I, I never had arms and legs. I've never known what it's like. So I still had to find my own way of doing, doing things. And again, I, I would have, I mean, you know, babies do a lot of sort of getting up on their feet and then they're falling down. I would have, I would have done exactly that. Probably would have done it probably a bit more because I, you know, I, needed to strengthen my core at that stage and I would have just been sitting up um, and then th- sort of falling over and I remember doing a lot like that and mum and dad not rushing to to help me up you know not wrapping me up in cotton wool mm. um, but letting me f- find my own you know my own way and I do think that can be you know that can be difficult because a mother you know, a father's instinct, they have a you know vulnerable offspring. You know, I'm sure you, many cases in nature. You know, the the the, uh, the first instinct is to protect. Mm. So they, you know, I think they probably call it tough love these days, and they gave that sort of tough love approach, and that has kind of stayed stayed with me. I've always had to find a solution, mm. you know, to you know, to do things, and so so yeah. I mean, in my younger days, I, I did have artificial limbs. But I actually found I was a lot, you know, more mobile, you know, without. Um, it was certainly a lot easier to adapt a car for me without artificial arms and legs. Um, and that's how I, that's how I did stuff. I mean, so many people say oh, it must be difficult to be like you. Well, not for me, no, because I've known no, I've known no different. You never miss something you've never had. Yeah, I obviously see people around all the time and see how far more mobile people are with arms and legs. And I think, what if? But you know, it'd be nice to have a million pounds. But unless <laughs> yeah. you win the lottery, that, that's not gonna. That's not gonna happen. Um, well, so and and
0: you and you taught me actually. I think it really. I think yeah, you really taught me that you are accessible. You have accessibility. Mm-hmm. You you don't have an issue. It's the steps and the and it's it's everything else out there that gets in your way.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's uh, it's it's known these days as the social model of disability, where you're not disabled because you use a wheelchair or because you're blind or because you use a walking stick, but disabled because the environment Mm. you know disables you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Apparently, one of the you know, f- for me, the biggest disabling factor is, is 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 people's lack of knowledge and understanding and you know, prejudice. You know, use an example as an architect. You know, if if they're designing a building, um, you know, instead of putting a flight of steps in somewhere, put a ramp in or put put a lift in. You know, you know, if you want, if you're designing signage, you know, make it nice and clear so someone with a visual impairment. Because mm. yes, there are guidelines out there from the government you know, to do that. But if it's part of second nature and people are doing it mm. all the time, but yeah, you know, poor facilities, lack of, you know, you know, poor, you know, a poor environment or lack of knowledge. Knowledge is power to me. You, mm. know, if, you know, if you as a, again, whether it's a sports coach, you know, if you, uh, you know, if you have that that knowledge of how to adapt your your coaching, you can include anyone in a in a you know in a session you know, to be part of that, yeah, session like everybody else. Absolutely. So,
0: yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So when um, when I came around to your house one time um, and mm. I used your bathroom, on the back of the door, and I have just asked you if I can ask you this, and you said it was okay, on the back of your door was a life-size image of you with full limbs. Do you remember
1: Yeah, I do. Yeah, still got it. Still got it. It, Yeah. First time I saw it, it freaked me out. Because I've never, uh, now obviously I'm aware of people with arms and legs, but never seen myself, you know, like that.
0: And it was a a project, wasn't it, from a uni student. Is that right? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think he's a photography student. And he'd he'd, he'd also taken a photograph of, um, you know, the a black woman, um, and made them, made them white. And so he then took a photograph of me and superimposed his his arms and legs onto me. And when he did his dissertation, actually, I did an, an exhibition, um people had, had, had that full picture and then me alongside it, and people actually thought that the full-size picture was the real one, that he'd actually chopped my arms and legs off.
0: Oh, really? But, um because yeah. you were standing in in a pair of speedos, you you were standing on poolside in a pair of speedos. Because I was like completely floored when I saw it. So tell me more about about what it was like for you when you first
1: saw that. Yeah, I've, um, no, we we did we met up a few times and obviously chatted about what he what he wanted to do, and um, we took took some some photos, and then he. Uh, as I said, he, he then sort of came around and said, "Right, look, I've got the photo, um, and it's all rolled up, um, and he he unrolled it, and and I did literally have to take a step back mm. because it really. I mean, obviously, I knew what was going on, but I, and I, I I guess part of my imagination worked out kind of what's it going to be like. Um, but the first time I saw it, it really, if you know, it didn't upset me, but it certainly freaked me out because mm-hmm. I never thought of, you know, what I would look like with, you know, with, you know, with arms, you know, with arms and legs. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a little bit creepy, but it was, and I did, I, I was, um, you know, well, for a long, long time, I had it on the on the back door of my, and and w- wouldn't tell people. <laughs> so often you know, people come to my house, like, probably like you for the first time, and I wouldn't tell them. And they were going to the loo and you'd hear this, mm-hmm. this sort of exclamation from someone as they, as they caught you know as they caught sight of it. But yeah, no, it's and I you know, I like looking looking back on it, it you know, I I was glad to be part of that because again that helped to sort of raise raise people's awareness that yeah. we're all we the same we're all the same, but we're all different as well. So within within us we all have the same emotions, feelings, desires, ambitions. Um but often on on you know well All the time, on the out, on the outside, we are different. I mean, for example, I mean, not everybody's got the same colour skin, or same colour eyes, or same colour, you know, whatever. Everyone's different in some in some way, you know, or another. You know, when I've given talks in the past, I said, "So look at the person next next to you. You know, you're not you're not looking in a mirror, are you? You know, everyone looks different. My difference is." Well, probably a little bit more obvious, I suppose. Mm. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not as tall as others, a you know, for a start. But yeah, we're we're all different, you know. Yeah. But inside, we, you know, we 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 are we are the same. Yeah, and that's, that's a
0: wonderful. Yeah, um, and that and that. So again, going
1: back to the sport, you know, mm. I, you know, I want to. Sorry, I'm I'm interrupting you now. Sorry, um, you know, I I wanted you know to to represent my. My country. Um, I wanted. I wanted to to win to win medals. You know, the Paralympics is designed. You know, to for athletes can com- compete on a level level playing field, which is why the Paralympics is is separate. You know, from you know from the uh, from the Olympics. But and again, London did wonders in sort of raising people's awareness to what you know Paralympic or parallel sport is is all about yeah.
0: you know
1: i remember the first time i i appeared in my local local paper um you know the headline was you know plucky pete does well or something like that it wasn't even on the sports pages it was on the yeah. sort of human interest you know pages but now you know you've got your, you know your david weirs your yeah. ellie simmons is are all on on the same level Mm-hmm. um as uh, you know uh, our olympic athletes and so many people realized that when they when the you know the, the olympics are finished in london and a lot of people thought oh, it was all over now and then people then realized oh hang on a minute there's another one
0: mm-hmm.
1: one of the best things I, I saw in the build up to uh to london it was a big poster um um and it, i think it was between the Olympics and the Paralympics, and all it had across the middle was thanks for the warm up.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's
1: when the Paralympics sort of, started. And yeah, to me that was just so so powerful. And people started seeing the sport, not the you know the person running with one leg or the person you know competing in a wheelchair.
0: Yeah. it
1: was sport, but done in a and, it, and again another sort of uh, lovely story I like to you know to recite is. In the build-up to London, um, as part of the county sports partnership, we did some awareness raising about 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 sport and got some young people along. and They invited some local Olympic and Paralympic athletes along to talk to the young people. And uh, when they introduced me, they asked one of the young people what the what they thought the Paralympics was, and without any prompting, they said sport done differently.
0: Mm, fantastic
1: now with the mouth of babes yeah you know?
0: right.
1: and i've been using you know i've been doing my my job for about 15 years up until then and boom someone you know a 10 year old you yeah. know hit the nail on the head it's all is sport done differently
0: absolutely be- and i know that you know at the end we're going to give your your website um um, which yeah. you say it now as well, but peterhullmbe.com. And, you know, it's really great to see the photos of you on the podium. I mean, it must have been incredible to be accepting the gold medal on behalf of Great Britain. Three times.
1: Three times, absolutely. But also, not only did I get gold, but British swimmers got silver, silver and bronze as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've actually got, Peter's the British Paralympic, Association presented me with um, a poster of of me on the medal with on on the on the podium with the three swimmers with the Union Jacks behind us, and it's. So I ever feel low, I just take a look at just take a look at that and my gold medals, and I'm, you know, I'm 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 good again.
0: Yeah, right. Um, So, Pete, what does life look like for you now? I know you're now working for um, Active Nation Charity in Southampton, engagement lead, as you said um what what is life like for you now um tell us about the chair that you've just um you've just bought
1: yeah um long story short I'm not as mobile as I I used to be I used, used to be very independent going out doing my own thing driving had my own manual chair was able to propel myself but as a result of that my, my shoulders have taken a bit of a
0: mm. bit of a
1: battering mm. and so um I'm not as not as mobile as I as I was so rather than having a manual chair as one I used to push myself I now have a I now have a power chair which um you know or an electric chair whatever and people prefer to to call it but it does enable me to to go out and about because I again because I unable to use my shoulders to. To get me around, I now use use this chair, but it's it's great. Um it it reclines. <laughs> it's got a mm. recline facility. So um there's a couple of It's like a
0: parker a, a parker knoll of of power chairs, is it?
1: That's yeah, absolutely. So I just pick a couple of buttons and I can you know sort of sort of tip the chair back. I'm looking forward to when the the sun properly comes out so I can go out and have a bit of a, a bit of a sunbathe. I've got a cup holder. So from my, you know, from my coffee cup or my pint, you know, you know, you know, whatever. Um, And also um, it raises me up as well. So um, that raises a good point in that I can, when I'm talking to people if I'm out and about, as has always happened when I've obviously been a lot lower, people are looking down on me. Mm. And that can be quite, quite intimidating. And, you know, I'm often looking up people's nostrils, which is never never an attractive sight. And uh, this chair will now lift me up. So, you know, at counters or at bars or whatever, I'm at that right level. But I can also, when I'm talking to somebody, I can be at, at eye level um, to them. And that's, that's going to be something so, you know, so important.
0: So you are, in fact, Inspector Gadget in your Parker Knoll.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely i actually remember getting yeah, very I upset
0: uh, i remember being at a bar with you a very crowded bar down in cornwall and you got um knocked it was very it was very rowdy there was a fancy dress party and you were your we we made your chair like an alien spaceship and if you remember yeah <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah
0: and yeah. um and you got knocked on your chair at the bar and I just remember being really upset and really protective Uh, it just came from nowhere this complete anger which of course is nobody's fault but you're the one who's always having to look out for your surroundings and what's going on yeah Mm.
1: yeah it does it you know it does happen
0: yeah
1: unfortunately when you're not on people's eye level you know when when people are walking around a pub or wherever they're, they're looking on eye level so whether you know you're in a wheelchair or you're a child or something so often people don't you know don't you know don't don't see you no um,
0: exactly
1: yeah it's, just, it's no one's fault it's just one of those one of those things that you know that happen but um and one way around that i guess is just to be loud so that <laughs> people can't see you they can you know, they can at least uh, they can at least hear you but yeah, yeah.
0: Or, so or it's, yeah it's going to make have, a difference yeah have your chair as a silver spaceship. You certainly get noticed that way. Yeah, I was going to say how
1: they didn't, how they didn't see me when you know we made this, made me all bling-like and spangly and whatever. I was going to say so, that I'm sure they saw me from space, so I don't know how people yeah.
0: see me in the front. So, yeah. Pete, well, So, you know, this is precarious parenting. Uh, you know, I really hope that people will be listening who may have been parents for years or might be starting out on their parent journey or or just awareness for people who and when I say parent I'm talking about carers or grandparents fosters whoever anybody in a caring role what would be your message to anybody who knew that that they were going to have or they had a child who who had some kind of impairment disability loss of limb what would you be your message to them
1: well first a couple of things that immediately spring to mind the first one is that you're not alone? Um. There are so many people out there in, in a similar situation. You know, you know, obviously with the internet, you know, you they, you, you can find websites and but there's also you know uh, local, you know, local services. Uh, you know, um, occupational therapists and you know people out there they can they can help you. But also lots of help groups. But for, on a on a personal level, I would, I would say. To be patient. Mm. Yeah, like I was highlighting earlier, your immediate reaction, and understandably, is to is to protect. You know, to wrap your your child up with cold and don't let them, you know, get hurt. But sometimes you you have to do that for them to find their to find their way. And again, my that's why I'm always be grateful. Well, both parents have been have passed a long time now, but they're always with me because they ingrained into me that, you know, that, that, you know, that attitude. So despite the fact, yeah, now my life is very different. I'm not um, I'm not as mobile. Um, I'm a lot more reliant on other people to help me. As if, you know, if you remember me, that, that was that was very difficult for me to, to accept, you know, I would hate having to, to ask for help. Um, And that's why. And again, don't be afraid to ask for help. You know that's something I really. When my shoulders got really bad, is I, I really struggled with that. You know, mm. I don't need your help, and but actually, yes, I do. Mm. Um, and that was really difficult. So yeah, be patient and and let them find their their way in life. But obviously, be there for them as well when they do need your help. You know, to be there to also pick them up.
0: Lovely. So yeah. So, Pete, as we draw to a close, um, if anybody wanted to make contact with you, I mean, I know you've been to the, co- the college that I worked at. You came down and you spoke to student groups. Um, obviously, we're not doing that at the moment, but um, mm-hmm. I, I know you do public speaking and motivational speaking. But if anybody yep, wanted yep. to make contact with you, what, what's the best way to do it?
1: Well, I just, you mentioned my website, so yeah. PeterHullMBE, um, dot com. Um, and that gives a bit more background of me where I've come from, but there's like a contact sheet on there. As I said, it's primarily for people who want to put me for talks, but I'm happy to for anyone to contact me through that through that medium. Or you could just email me. Um, mm. My email address is holster65, so H-U-L-L-S-T-E-R 65 at sky.com
0: lovely and i'll I'll put that in the show notes pete so um so people will see your website and they'll see your your email address all right
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: uh i loved chatting to you i could chat to you for ages and um and i'm really looking forward to seeing you soon cheers pete
1: catch
0: up you've been listening to precarious parenting by realization works Subscribe to realisationworks.com to access more resources including monthly blogs written to be shared with younger people.